0: On this episode of This Week in Linux, we take a look at a cool auto-upgrade tool. I never thought I'd see this happen, but Intel and AMD announced a new joint processor. New competition in the password manager space on Linux. Canonical asked for community participation in the new Ubuntu 18.04 design. A lot of games were on sale this week, and are still on sale. We'll also talk about some riveting news in Linux security and trademark law. All that and much more coming up. I'm Michael Tonnell with Tux Digital and this is your weekly source for Linux news. This episode of This Week in Linux is brought to you by the Tux Digital Patreon. I've often said that becoming a Patreon will help out the show, but I haven't explained the rewards or perks that patrons get. So let's do that this week. Patrons get a lot of bonuses, including access to five extra-exclusive Patreon-only topics, the unedited live stream version of the show, and access to Patreon-only Discord channel while I record the show live, and so much more. If you're interested, go to patreon.com slash touchdigital to learn more. Up first in the news this week, Krita 3.3.2 was released, and with it comes a lot of uh, interesting improvements most of which are just maintenance and bug fixes but there's been a lot of performance improvements for the tool for various tools they've fixed some regressions that came from 3.3.1 and they've added ability to render up to 10,000 frames and they've also announced some new things for Krita 4.0 there's so the first thing they're going they're there's coming with 4.0 is the new airbrush system a new palette docker SVG based vector layers, which is fantastic because it's that's kind of like Krita is becoming a you know a, a potential alternative to Inkscape with SVG layers. Um, you can optimize your brush brushes with better performance with a uh, bench, performance benchmarking, and you can see a brush preview, a live brush preview in the brush editor, all, all that and a lot more. So if you're looking in, check out the show notes for the full description of what's coming. Up next in the news is Ucare System Dash Core. This is an autom- automatically performs maintenance processes without any need of user participation. It's a command line tool that allows you to do a lot of things like apt upgrade and stuff like that automatically. So what it does is it, it updates lists of available packages like sudo apt update. Download and installs those, up, those updates, sudo apt upgrade. And it checks if there's older kernels on the system and removes them. It cleans cache of downloaded packages, removes obsolete and orphan packages, and it deletes package configuration files for packages that you have uninstalled your, you have you have manually uninstalled yourself. So like sudo apt auto remove and auto-clean. So this is a basically a tool that allows you to do all of these things Back to back automatically just by running ucare system core, and then it handles everything else. So if you haven't heard of this one, definitely to give it a, give it check it out because um, ain't nobody got time for that. Ucare system core was is actually a new project to me. So thanks to the community member, the Tux Digital community member who sent me a message and let me know about this. I appreciate that. NBA Go is a command line tool that allows you to. Watch, NBA live, play-by-play games, uh, game preview, box scores, player information, and so much more, on your terminal. They call it the best command line interface tool for those who are both NBA fans and engineers. I just thought it was pretty interesting to you know that that this even exists because it's it's pretty funny and how in depth it goes is pretty cool too. So like you can go into like looking at the. Like pre-game stats, like commentary stat, like stuff people are talking about. Um, you can look at the the current results. You can look at like what you know, play by play, as far as um, you know what's happening in various parts of the game, and like what quarter it's in. And you can stay pretty up to date. Uh, it is weird that they say watch when you know there's not you're not really watching a game. You're just watching the the stats of the game. But overall, it's still pretty cool. This week we saw a release for the new version of Opera, Opera 49. And with it came some interesting stuff and some silly stuff. One of the cool things, the interesting things, is the VR player. So you can watch 360 VR video inside of the browser. You can now have a, a Messenger sidebar with Telegram, Facebook, WhatsApp, and VK Messenger. And interesting, though somewhat odd is a currency converter pop-up that when you highlight you highlight money values it can then have show you different currency exchanges through a little pop-up so that's cool but weird the other thing is a snapshot tool has with editing so you can take a snapshot of a website and then make changes and there's um Extra adages for like emojis and like profile pics or whatever you want to put on there. It's a it's a cool, interesting uh, feature that they added to the browser. But you should watch the video that's in the show notes that's uh, for this particular feature because it's silly. It implies that if you're not using Opera 49, that it's very boring and the internet is boring and you can't do anything, and everybody's tired and sleepy. And then for some reason, emojis on a page about where to eat lunch is amazing and vibrant, and I don't know. It's a terrible commercial as far as, like, getting people to use a feature. But, speaking of browsers... Not this week, but next week, in a couple days, this coming Tuesday... Firefox uh, Quantum, or 57, is going to be released... So I'm not going to go into like a lot of depth in that this particular episode because it's not released yet. So next week, I will cover Firefox Quantum. But you know, if you haven't heard about it, you should definitely check it out and be sure to download it on this on the 14th. This week, a new password manager landed for Linux Dashlane, which is one of the more popular ones for Mac OS and Windows. It provides support through for Linux. Via uh, web extensions, so it's not really support. It's more of a um, because they already because they're building it in web extensions. It kind of has support by default, but they were pointing out that it previously, even though it was a web extension before, it now works in Linux. So it's like, uh, why did it take that long? Anyway, one what things that uh, Dashlane does is it provides all the password manager features that you would expect, like a password generator and stuff like that. What's actually interesting is that. They have a, another thing called a security monitoring monitoring tool. and the what's cool about that one is that it will f- if it finds data breaches on various websites, it will check your account to see if you are affected by that and, get, and let, give you like a pop-up notification about it. So that's an interesting uh, feature to offer. But what's weird is that it's competing with LastPass and other things and Dashlane costs like $35 a year. So that's weird. And it's also proprietary, and you can't host it yourself. So that's another reason why it's not that interesting to me. However, it did give me an opportunity to talk about something else, which is Bitwarden. Bitwarden uh, essentially does everything that LastPass does, except it's also open source, and self-hostable. So if you were interested in maybe using Dashlane, you could try out Bitwarden because it accomplishes the same thing, but is also open source. And you can store, host it on your own server wherever you want, and you have full control over everything. But if you do want to use their hosted version, they have a free hosted version that is free forever, but they also have a $10 a year premium version, which pretty much most of the features that are in uh, in Bitwarden are, la- are available without using the premium. The premium is just like a thank you kind of thing. And they'll give you a little extra features on top of that. Anyway, check out Dashlane maybe if you want, or check out Bitwarden and honorable mention to KeyPass XC. But, you know, KeyPass XC doesn't have the cloud stuff, doesn't have a full integrated option. You know because basically with keypass all the keypass stuff, you have to have like a separate browser plugin, a separate mobile app, and etc. This way Bitwarden provides everything for you, and you can just you know host it yourself if you want. Didier posted a call for participation on the Ubuntu community discourse this week for the Ubuntu eighteen o four l t s uh, new theme that they're considering on making. So they're asking for help from the community to provide suggestions and improvements for various aspects of the themes. Uh, And that includes the icons, the the theme itself, like GTK, GTK2, or GTK3, uh, and even the GNOME Shell theme. So there's a lot of potential for people to participate. And I would like to point out this one is a very good one I found that already exists. It's called United GNOME. And it's a nice-looking GTK and GNOME Shell theme that kind of blends the Unity 8 theme with GNOME Shell. So hopefully, this will be considered in some ways. In addition to that, they're also announcing that there's going to be a new version of color emoji support for Ubuntu 18.04. Not sure how that how important that is, but um, if if you do want emojis in your desktop, then there you go. That is coming. Uh, back to the theme, I wanted to point out that OMG Ubuntu did a poll where asking if people wanted to have a new theme for eighteen or Ubuntu eighteen oh four, and based on that poll, since I last checked, it was eighty nine percent yes, and I would agree because the the Ubuntu theme ambiance or um. Radiance or anything like that. All, the, all the the basic thing they've had for like seven years has pretty much been the same for way too long, and it is definitely dated now. So they definitely need to mo- make a modern version of their thing. If you're interested in checking out 1804 before it's released, you can check out the daily builds that are now available on the Ubuntu website. Arch Linux announced this week their official end of 32-bit support. They announced this actually like 9 months ago that this was going to happen, but this week they, it came to the point where they actually did finalize the discontinuation of 32-bit support in Arch. Because of that, a fork has been made in which you can go to archlinux32.org and it's basically just a fork of all the packages going back to 32-bit. Um, I kind of wish 32-bit would just go away already, but You know, some people want it for some reason. And uh, it's, I've had, it's like, well, you have a lot of old hardware. And it's like, yeah, but 64-bit has been around for like, what, 2003? So it's been around for a significant amount of time that this, like this, no, 2001 was the first one. 2003 was when it became like a normal. Anyway. The the point is is that sixty four bit has been around a long time, so that even if you have a super ancient computer, it's probably sixty four bit anyway. And if it's not, then you have a very very ancient computer, and you should probably upgrade. But you know the limitation thirty two bit of not being able to use more than three point six gigabytes, you know, in this modern computing age, you know that's going to be problematic at best. IPFire 2.19 was released this week. It's a firewall distro that is similar to like BSD's PFSense. This release is a maintenance release for uh, fixing some vulnerabilities with OpenSSL and WGit. So if you are using IPFire, you should definitely upgrade to the latest version to solve those vulnerabilities. This week we saw a release for Enlightenment 0.22 or Enlightenment E22. This release improves greatly Wayland support and adds per window pulse audio volume controls. This is a pretty cool thing that allows you to, like, instead of where your close button is, you can actually change the pulse audio settings uh, for volume on your window specifically. So instead of having to go to your system tray or sound menu and changing it there, you can change it directly on the window. So that's pretty cool in the sense of like there's times where you go to a web page on one browser and you're using another browser as like i do like i have multiple browsers and then videos or ads start playing and you could rather than having to go find which browser it is you could just mute you could check to see what's running and then mute the ones that are annoying it's a it's a pretty interesting uh, aspect they've also added a GUI for the ask pass feature of sudo and ssh so that now when you try to, or when you're asked to do something for the password, you can just, it'll pop up and give you a GUI option instead of having to uh, force a terminal thing. So that's interesting. So if you haven't tried Enlightenment, give it a shot. It's, um, it's, a, it's a lightweight but still pretty featureful desktop environment. And I should probably go in depth on it more in a different video. Samsung released the a, sh- a video to demonstrate what the Dex works, how the Dex doc, Dex doc works, with showing Linux um, on a Galaxy device. So you can run a, a full Linux desktop on top of your on top of your Galaxy device. Well, it's not really emulated or virtualized or anything. It does have access to the kernel of the Android device in order to dis- to use the Linux desktop. Uh, you can see in the video that it's a little. Awkward in some ways, as far as like how the UI displays, because it looks pretty dated. So it's not like a full-fledged, like finished product, but it, it's coming along nicely, and it looks really cool. So you can use, like for example, it says that you can have like an an IDE, a desktop IDE, for native um, ARM development. And what's cool about that is that uh, it allows you to like r- compile and do things on on your phone using a desktop id. So anyway, that's pretty cool. Next up in the show, Intel announced a new processor in collaboration with AMD, and this this is a really interesting uh, thing so they they're doing a really small form factor to increase the power and the performance as well as the size so that you can put more powerful chips inside of smaller and smaller form factors. What's really interesting about this particular chip is that it's removing DDR5 individual components and creating a high bandwidth memory component that it works in tandem with the GPU and the CPU, so it's all in a single package. So it it combines all three into this one component. The, well, okay, definitely the most interesting thing is that the the AMD Radeon graphics are the GPU part of it. So I guess that's you know. It's cool that they have them all in one component, but it's definitely the most interesting is the fact that AMD and Intel are collaborating on a piece of hardware which I never thought I'd see happen ever. So so this week we learned about a petition that was filed for the cancellation of the the Software Freedom Conservancy trademark. It was filed by the Software Freedom Law Center. Uh, I'm not a lawyer, so I probably don't have to say that. But just to sp- specify, um, there's a lot of things that seem really weird about this particular case. Now, it's not—it's not a lawsuit or anything. It's just a petition to the U.S. Patent and Trademark uh, Departments that it were, are trying to get the the trademark for the Software Freedom Conservancy removed. And what's really odd is that it seems like. The trademark in question is not like the initials. Like, you could say that there is somewhat of a confusion between SFLC and the FFC, but the Software Freedom Law Center and the Software Freedom Conservancy don't really sound the same unless software freedom is somehow a problem. Like, that's weird. But it's also what's more... Definitely more interesting about it is that the Software Freedom Law Center helped to get the Software Freedom Conservancy trademark in the first place. They were lawyers for the law center was the lawyers for the Software Freedom Conservancy in the very beginning of the project. Um, so it's very weird that the people who helped get the trademark are also people who are trying to get it taken away. Now, as like both of these. Uh, organizations have been, have provided statements on this topic. Uh, the Software Freedom Conservancy uh, issued one this week and then followed that up, and the The Law Center followed that up with another one, uh, basically saying that they're being mis, misinterpreted. But overall, it's they're saying that the reason why it should be canceled is because there's confusion in the names, which I don't really see it other than the initials. And it's not the initials that are being filed to get a permission of cancellation. It's just the full name. And there's also a precedent saying that they're they're saying priority of their trademark because they released they announced that theirs a year before. And while you could say that these are decent arguments on the SFLC's side, the fact that it's taken them so long to do anything about it, and also that they were the ones to help that software freedom conservancy to get the trademark this is probably not a very strong case on their part so well i'll i'll keep up to date with the leak with the the trademark law news so you don't have to <laughs> this week solus posted on their twitter account that they a demo for the linux steam integration snap it's a so far it's a demo of what they've been they have done so far and it it looks pretty cool and it seems to work quite well for a lot of games And what interests me a lot is that the game that they referenced in this particular post is Rocket League, which if you are a fan of the show or my channel, you've probably heard about, I'm a huge fan of Rocket League, and play it way too much, so there's that. So that piqued my interest immediately when I saw that. But also, the Steam Integration Snap is a really cool thing that allows for... People to play various different ga- Steam games on any Linux distro, thanks to this snap. So when this actually becomes full fledged and, pu- and published, it, it, it could be a game changer for. Ga- that was a that was an accidental pun. <laughs> it's a game changer for Linux gaming. <laughs> Sorry. This week there was a huge sale for gaming on Linux. Um, well, it's still actually on it'll probably some of these games are going to be off sale on Monday, the 13th. So if you catch this to catch this episode late, sorry, but there are a lot of games on sale this week and weekend that you sh- you might be interested in. So in the future, be sure to st- come to the live stream at 1 p.m. eastern tentatively 1 p.m. eastern on Saturdays and you would be notified very 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 quickly and definitely in my, as enough, enough time to get the games but first up is uh clay clay I don't know I'm going to go with clay clay sale uh, has the don't starve series and mark of the ninja I'm actually a really big fan of Mark of the Ninja. I didn't even know who made that, so that's good to know. But Mark of the Ninja is a really cool platformer. That they have a new DLC with this this sale, uh, so I'm probably going to get that. But it's a really cool platformer, very interesting, and has a nice, um, like a cell shading design. Also, this this week was a sale for Aspire Media. Now they, they have a lot of cool games like Borderlands 2, Civilization 6, um, Bioshock Infinite, and etc. If you haven't tried Bioshock or Borderlands 2, then you definitely should give that a shot. Uh, Observer is also really cool if you like some horror games. Um, you should definitely check these out, especially while they're on sale. because if, if you get the Game of the Year edition for eight $8.80 for Borderlands 2... That's definitely worth it because that gives you all these DLC packs, and a lot of the DLCs are like this. Uh, Mister Torx Campaign of Carnage is a DLC mission that is really fun, and you you would if you like the like you know it's kind of a crude humor game, but it's still pretty awesome. And also, we saw really some you know but Fan- fanatical is the new name for Bundle Stars. And Fanatical has a lot of games that are on sale this week as well, including Football Manager 2018, which just came out this week. And on Steam, it's $49, $49.99. And on Fanatical, you can get it for $44.99. Hand of Fate 2 was released this week with same-day Linux support. And so far, it's already had, it's only been a couple days, it's already got over, over, over 600 reviews that are so far very pro- positive. I haven't played this game before, but the first version was overwhelmingly positive for reviews. So, uh, it, it's an RPG with a card element aspect to it. So this is pretty cool. I do want to check it out. I'll probably get the first one before this one because I don't get the reference of the dealer and everything. But the reviews look look it's good, so I definitely will give it a shot. And besides, the, uh, the first one is probably a lot cheaper. So, I get that benefit too for being, you know, out of date. Hitman Game of the Year edition was released this week with day one Linux support, and with it comes a new Patient 0 DLC. So, if you've never tried the the Hitman Hitman series, definitely give it a shot. It's a really fun third-person like stealthy assassin game. So, give this a look and let me know what you think. I haven't actually finished Hitman yet, so I'm not sure if I'll need the DLC yet, but eventually I look forward to the fact that I can, you know, get even more content. That's the best thing about DLCs. You get a game, you finish it, and then you're like, hey, there's more. <laughs> this week we saw a release for the arcade space shooter Star Blast. Uh, it looks like a modern, modern version of Asteroids. It's it's pretty cool. It's got some good reviews, some positive reviews on Steam, and I'm definitely going to take a look at it. It's currently on sale and as well as all the other games that have been re- mentioned in this show this week anyway. The 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 Starblast game looks like a very, you know, uh, hardcore style asteroid, so I look forward to that. This week we saw a release for the Google's patching of the crack Wi-Fi flaw. The Android November security update included the patch for the for the 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 crack flaw. It's um still not available for most most users. Unfortunately, the release of the the security update doesn't always go to the individual users. It also has to go to the manufacturers and then the carriers and etc etc. Cetera, et cetera. So it's still going to be a little while for a few users. Well, actually, when I say few, I mean most. Um, Even some Nexus devices have not received the update yet, which is kind of sad considering Google's dedication to the Nexus line to give them updates. You know, it's kind of sad because it's a pretty big flaw, and Android is one of the worst affected systems. You still really... Even though they have a release out, you really can't use it yet so if you're interested about flashing your phone you should check out lineage OS who already have a fix and they did the day it was released the the flaw was released the information about it so there you go speaking of which I'm going to start doing some videos on lineage OS and some other things so be sure to subscribe if you're interested in that this week we saw a release for the Tor browser 7.0.9 This release is only for macOS and Linux, and that's because the Windows version does not have a problem like this particular problem. There was a vulnerability or exploit in Tor, the Tor browser, that that could expose IP addresses for macOS and Linux users. So this particular patch is released to fix that. So if you're using the Tor browser, you definitely need to update immediately. This week we were informed about some... Vulnerabilities that were found. 14 vulnerabilities were found inside the subsystem for the USB, um, for the Linux kernels USB subsystem. And there's actually potential to be up to 40 vulnerabilities that were or potential to have been found because there's been a couple that haven't been verified, or a few that haven't been verified. But 14 for sure have been found and patched. Uh, so there are, there is releases and patches and updates for those. Now this is a problem, but it's not like a huge catastrophic issue because these particular vulnerabilities require physical access to a machine to attack it. So there's been people who are asking whether the Web USB protocol API could be used as a way to create the, to utilize this problem, and the the guy who who found the problem said that it's very unlikely that the WebUSB API would be able to use it because it requires an external uh, attack, whereas the, the WebUSB isn't really inter- external. The likelihood of you being affected by this is very low. But you still should update anyway because everybody loves updates. <music> Thanks for watching this episode of This Week in Linux. If you liked like to see what I do here on the show, please hit that like button and be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to support the channel, we have a Patreon at patreon.com tuxdigital, or you can purchase the Linux is Everywhere t-shirt by going to tuxdigital.com slash linux is everywhere. Just a reminder, the show is live every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern, so join us in the live chat room to discuss all the latest Linux news. Thanks again for watching. I'm Michael Sonella with Tux Digital, and as always, keep using, learning, and enjoying Linux.